Welcome to the 22nd episode of Parent Driven Development. My name is Allison McMillan, and I'm here with my friend Kay Wu. Hi, I'm Kay Wu, and I'm here today with my friend Jess. Hey, I'm Jess, and I'm here today with my friend Mandy. Hi, I'm Mandy, and I'm here with everyone. And today, we're going to be talking about single parenting. I have the most experience with it. Jess is also a single parent, and I know Allison grew up in a single parent household, but I feel like it's an important topic to cover because single parenting is hard. Yeah, I feel like the world is full of single parents now, especially as our culture moves to where like divorce and other things that create single parent households is more common. I think it's just a part of where we are in the world. It's so much more normal, but at the same time, it's not. I get a fair amount of judgment. Sometimes I feel ostracized when I go to events at school or, you know, sports outings, things like that. I I don't know if it's because they're judging me necessarily or if they just don't know what to say. (laughs) Yeah, I feel that too. I understand what you mean. Uh, It's hard to say where it's coming from, but I think it, you know, while it is common, it's still, I think, I don't know, stigmatized. Yeah, definitely. My daughter, she tried a fair amount of sports and she's not doing anything anymore. And I feel bad about that because I've been traveling for work a lot. And I think in 2018, I was away over 60 nights for traveling, work conferences, that kind of thing. And I have a great support system with my neighbor, but she has three kids of her own. And it's like, I feel bad on top of saying, oh, we're going to have Maisie Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Oh, also she has gymnastics on Tuesday and soccer on Thursday. (laughs) Like I don't want to give the neighbor extra stuff to do because she's already doing so much for me. But when I was doing the sports thing, yeah, it was very rare that parents would just even talk to me or say hi. And I'm not sure if that's because other parents already knew each other or I don't know. It was kind of awkward and weird. So I just gave up on it. Mm, Yeah. And so I think it's important to clarify. There's we are two different kinds of single parents. You are a single full time parent. And I'm a single half-time parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been a single parent since I was pregnant. Unfortunately, my daughter does not know her father at all. I have full custody. He signed off of his rights. So when it comes to making decisions for Maisie, I get 100% of that responsibility slash burden. (laughs) But yeah, to be a full-time single parent, it can be... A little daunting and rough and I would say lonely sometimes. I would love to kind of be in a space where I was able to co-parent because, you know, a lot of times like I miss out on things being an adult. Like if my friends are like, oh, we're going out on Saturday night and I'm like, oh, I can't. I can't be like, oh, well, it's so-and-so's weekend. So yeah, I can do something this Saturday. We talked about in a previous episode using spousal points when you're away. I feel like I use neighbor points and to be like, hey, Joanne, on top of you watching her every time I'm away, when I'm home, I'm also going to go out. (laughs) 
So I try when I'm at home to be mom. And I see more of other cities than I see of my hometown. I'm a little curious, uh, Mandy, would you almost consider your neighbor like a part-time co-parent in a way? I do. Um, She's wonderful. You know, I joke, you're Maisie's other mother, and we both have very similar parenting styles. And I mean, I have her as my daughter's emergency contact. She's also set up so that she can take her to the doctor or the hospital if that need ever arose. So I, I lean on her a lot, and it's really great. It sometimes feels a little strange, but it's good to have somebody because my my mother passed away two years ago and she was a very big part of my daughter's life. So when that went away, that was kind of like, oh no. And then my dad and I have gotten closer over the past two years and he lives in a town about two hours away, which isn't too far, but it's not close enough that I can be like, Hey, can you come pick her up and give me a break? So yeah, Joanne, my neighbor, is, yeah, like a second parent. I'm a little curious then how you have gotten to a point of being in each other's lives really well and in a smooth way. Was this all after you moved here? You just like won the neighbor lottery? (laughs) We moved here um, three years ago. And my daughter is so extroverted. I pulled up in the moving van and she got out, saw a group of kids playing and she's like, okay, bye. (laughs) Her best friend is actually Joanne's daughter. So I I met Joanne and we ended up not being very fond of each other at first. And then we were like, okay, actually we have a lot in common. So, hey, we should be friends. And she got to know some of the personal aspects of my life that have led me to being a single mom. And she's just like, I would love to help out. I almost like want your story to get adapted as a TV show or movie or something, you know, like, I think that sounds so cool. (laughs) No, she's great. And I'm very thankful. She has a key to my house. If she needs something, she knows that she can come in and take an egg or anything else that Maisie might forget or think she needs. She can just send her over and I pay her, but she's like, you really don't have to do this. And I'm like, well, no, I'm going to pay you. Especially when I went away for the first time this past November, I was away for 10, almost 11 days. And no, I'm definitely giving you money so that you can use it however you want to use it. Yeah, I think the idea of building your village today is really important. I mean, even... I don't know whether you're a single parent or a single full-time parent or a single part-time parent. It's so much more difficult these days, I think, to meet your neighbors, to know who you can rely on, to figure out who periodically my partner will travel that is close to I come to single parenting. But if the kids are sick during that time, I know which of my neighbors I can text to like come over and hold the baby quickly or just be a helping pair of hands. And so I think that idea for both of you if you feel like you have a village or like beyond just your neighbor like people to rely on and how you've gone about sort of building that yeah I also have a best friend who actually is kind of funny we are talking about buying a house together because she's also a single mom 
but she works a regular nine to five. So she's Joanne's backup. For instance, the one day Joanne was running late to pick Maisie up from a thing and the school was calling me and I'm across the country in California and I'm, oh my God, I don't know what to do. But like, I was like, okay, calm down. If anything, I will call Julia and Julia will leave work. She will go get Maisie. Everything will be fine. So I have that backup. And then, I mean, my dad, of course, like, even though he's two hours away, he would drop anything he had to, to come fix whatever he had to fix or intervene. But building your own village, I actually like it because I've learned throughout the years with my own family situation that sometimes your family can suck. (laughs) (laughs) It's great that you can pick your village. Julia and I were like, um, after a chorus concert, she came because she was like, I want to come. And I'm like, why? Because I want to support Maisie. And I'm like, why? (laughs) And I think it's important to note, she is the ultimate soccer mom. She lives and dies for that crap. And when I say crap, okay, I hate it. I don't, I don't want to go watch kids play soccer. I get so angry. I get angry at the politics. I get angry about the rules and how it's, there's no f- physical aspect. And she loves that. And I'm like, okay, so you want to come. So afterwards, I was like, well, do you want to come in for a glass of wine afterwards? And she's like, sure. So one glass of wine kind of turned into like three. And then finally, she's like, I should probably go pick up Avery and go home. And I'm like, why don't we just get a house together? We've been friends since third grade. And we could be doing this every night. And instead of you going home, like you could go to your quarter of the house. (laughs) And she looked at me and then all of a sudden she's, oh, my God. We should totally do that. So it's still just a very far, faint idea, but we're talking about it. And I think it's really interesting in the way of kind of a modern family situation where, no, me and Julia wouldn't be married. We're together. We're not a couple. We'd probably be dating. So one night she'd be like, okay, I'm going out with such and such. Can you watch the kids? Yep, I've got it. Saturday night's my night. It would just be convenient. Maisie can't do activities because I'm not home. And if I'm not going to be home two days out of the month and I'm paying for four days, what's the point? So she would be able to take Maisie to those things. And it would just kind of, like I said, a modern family situation. I'm not sure how well received that would be in my small town of Pennsylvania. But to be honest, I don't really care. I think people understand friends helping out and living together is just a thing you don't really have to talk about, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Well, also, and, like, she's, like, the ultimate soccer mom, but she can't cook clean to save her life. So, like, that's where I would come in and, like, I'd have dinner on the table for every night. (laughs) (laughs) You're just sharing responsibility. Exactly. That's right. But, yeah, we would still date other people, which is also, like, a really fun but awkward thing to navigate when you're a single parent. So my son's on vacation with with his other mom in Utah right now. And so I'm like video chatting with him now and then. And my girlfriend is staying with me for a little bit since the house is free. Mm-hmm. And so she's like walking around in the background of the video while I'm talking to Quinn. And he's like, oh, is that my girlfriend's name? And I was like, oh, yeah. See? Pointing at her. And my ex is on the call. And she's like, wait, he knows who that is. <laughs> I was like, oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's seen pictures of her and he's like, who's that? And so I've been like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, my girlfriend. And this is whole dynamic with my ex and about like when it's okay to introduce my son to people and stuff. And like, I totally get her perspective that she wants to make sure that this is something that's going to last. 
But if he asks, I, I don't know, like, I'm curious about your perspective on that. Uh, well, I'm super open with my daughter. She knows that mommy's interested in boys and girls. She knows that, yeah, I'm bisexual. She also knows that I talk to different people and I don't have them over to the house Mostly because the people that I see don't live here. I meet them when I'm away at conferences. So if anything, we keep in touch, you know, via text or Skype or Facebook Messenger, that kind of thing. So, I mean, she sees my phone. She sees the names come up on my phone. She'll be like, oh, such and such is texting you. Ha ha ha. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm yeah, what's your point? <laughs> And I'm pretty open with it. There's one person who has asked me if they could come back the next time I see them in April to spend a few days in Pennsylvania. And I brought that up to Maisie. I said, so what would you think of so-and-so coming and spending a few days at the house? And she's like, she was just like, why are you asking me this? And I was just, okay, would it make you feel weird? She's like, No, I think I was making her feel more weird because I was asking her these questions than if I would have just actually just sprung it on her and brought them over. (laughs) Oh, they're here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think at a certain age, right, children are very different ages. So my parents, my dad moved out when I was four or five. My mom never got remarried. So seen her date for a while now. And like it definitely changed as I got older because there wasn't a concern about like introducing someone new to this young child. We never really cared about my mom going on dates or who she dated. It was not looking back. It was not a thing that seemed weird or that seemed, you know, I would say that she kept a lot of it pretty separate in our house. Mm-hmm. But It was never weird that she was like going out on a date, but I think it was because at some point it's not your exes, like, okay, who are you introducing? Who's around our children, et cetera. And it's more just like a real conversation with children who are still young, but I understand the idea that just because they're introduced to someone or because someone's sort of around, it doesn't mean that they will be around. They might not be around forever, Mm -hmm. right? Or like at what point... Do they have any say in what's sort of going on, right? I've made the mistake. When Maisie was two and a half, my mom was still alive. I never got diagnosed with postpartum depression, but I'm like almost 125% sure that I had a lot of it. And so my mom was like, go out, watch football. Like I'm a big Steelers fan and the game wasn't on the TV. So I went out and I ran into somebody I went to high school with and we just clicked. And so it was really quick and all of a sudden he's spending the night almost every night and we just kind of fell into this basic relationship. And so it was our third birthday. We took her down to the aquarium and I'll never forget she looked at him in the car and she said, so-and-so, are you my daddy? And I just looked at him and he looked at me because I didn't really, like, we never knew what to say. I just shrugged and he goes, yeah, I am. So we were together for almost four years and then something happened that was actually really tragic and he was unable to no longer be around. And And so she was six and a half at that time, and 
not only was it really tragic for me, but it was really tragic for her. It was a pretty bad thing that happened, so I just kind of wanted to erase all ties as quickly as possible. So I made the decision to be like, uh, yeah, just kidding. He's not your dad. We're just going to move on. And she bounced back pretty quickly from that. At first, she was just really confused, but the circumstances really kind of warranted an explanation because I didn't want him to be around anymore for pretty good reasons. So I I made that mistake and then fell into another relationship very quickly after that with a guy who absolutely had no father figure bone in his body. It was just like, wait, you have a kid? What is that thing running around there? Basically, she didn't exist. And I was like, I don't like this. I want somebody, if I'm going to be in a relationship, a full-time relationship, to not only love me, but they're going to love my kid as well. So that didn't work out. And that was a hellish period of time. And I'm actually just getting over that now. So I really like this whole do me when I'm not at home and I don't have Maisie around and she doesn't have to see it. They don't have to deal with her. And when I'm home, I'm all about her. So yeah, dating, it's really, really hard because do you want the person that you're dating to be like, oh, well, I think you should do it this way. It's like, back off, buddy. You're not her dad. (laughs) Or do you want completely hands-off person? Because I've had both and they both had their ups and downs. So now I'm just kind of like, let's just keep it all separate. Like I said, the person who might come spend a few days in the next few months, I think that there are clear expectations there, and it's just basically like a friend's going to be staying with mommy. Yeah, that makes sense. Allison, did you meet the people that your mom was dating very often? Yeah, I mean, she, this is before the day and age of apps and whatever, so she was part of single groups, and they would get together, and once or twice they got together at our house, and it was, okay, kids, it will be adult time in the in the family room, so, you know, we're going to be having, like, adult conversation, and you're not allowed downstairs, but she had, like, single groups, and she had a couple of more serious boyfriends throughout the years. I would say we probably didn't meet the them at the beginning, but after they had been on a handful of dates or whatever, we met them, especially as we got older. It was funny, actually. I will say that as we got older, I felt I especially got a little bit more protective. And if my mom was going out on a date, I would be like, well, what's the story? Is he picking you up? I would like to talk to him when he picks you up. (laughs) Especially as I got into high school. I need to know where she's going to be. Like, what restaurant are you guys going to? What what time will you be bringing her home? You know, again, like sort of before the time of cell phones and whatnot. As I got older, I definitely also got more protective about who she was seeing and what their story was. And, you know, they got a little bit of the third degree when they came to the door, which they probably weren't expecting from like a small woman. Yeah. High school, like whatever, a child. I could see Maisie doing this too. I really could. <laughs> Did you ever get attached to anyone, Allison? Anyone she was dating? No, I think that 
we, my parents had a really tough divorce and my dad cheated on my mom and then left and basically had a whole new family and sort of cut a lot of his ties to, to our family. And we never got attached to anyone. I didn't get attached to anyone because of what happened with my dad. Well, even if they're actually your biological father, that like sort of doesn't mean anything anyway. They still might not be around long term. Whoever this person is that's not my dad is there's some emotional separation for me there. But I think that we mostly encouraged my mom to date and to see people because, you know, really wanted her to find it's it's tough to be a single parent. You know, there's a lot of decision fatigue. There's a lot of there were three of us when my dad left, we were two, five and eight, which is pretty young and like sort of a a lot to handle solo. And so I think that we wanted her to meet someone and to be happy. And she never remarried. She's not seeing anyone right now. We keep encouraging now that dating online, etc. is a thing. We're trying to encourage that. But yeah, I mean, we never got attached, but we were always encouraging because we did really want to see her sort of find someone that she could share memories with and share decisions with and all of that sort of stuff. I think Maisie is the same way. She's very intuitive in the fact that she's like, Mom, I just want you to be happy. And I feel like when I'm text flirting or I get that Skype call. I got a little pep in my step and I I feel like I'm a better mother. (laughs) I'm much more like, okay, well, I got to talk to so-and-so, so so, hey. like. (laughs) I think that's with anyone in any relationship. I mean, all marriages go through tough spots. I think that when your marriage is in a tough spot, you and your partner are sort of operating as sort of like roommates instead of someone that you have chosen to spend your whole life with or whatever, right? Like I'm much more patient and Mm. spontaneous and whatnot when my husband and I are in our strongest points of our relationship. So it makes sense that it's that way as well when you're sort of like when you're dating or when you're text flirting or, or whatever to just have that sort of lift you up. In terms of single parenting and like these different types of single parenting, in what ways is it more difficult? In what ways is it easier to sort mm. of part-time single parent versus full-time single parent? Like I joke about it a lot. You all were talking about spousal points and I was like, do you know how awesome it is to be single? Because <laughs> I don't have to worry <laughs> about that. Also, I know there's a lot of quote unquote baby mama drama or baby daddy drama and I get to have like a hundred percent full authority which I like but sometimes I'm like maybe I it would be cool if like I had a second opinion (laughs) I was going to comment as well from the earlier discussion of I think it's funny that we like in media and whatever or and like in my personal life experience where the path was okay like kind of figured out a romantic partner at the time we got married um, I wasn't sure that I would want to have kids so the question may never come up but there you know there was like some portion of the whole process where I was okay well if I did want to have kids no, if we have kids, like he's definitely totally going to be the better parent than me. Like, <laughs> it's, it's me I'm unsure about. <laughs> but anyway, but I was thinking like if circumstances changed or something, you know, like once you are a parent and you have kids, then and then uh, looking for romantic partners. And it sounds, it sounds like in a lot of cases, almost like co-parent partners as well. 
can audition people and judge their skills <laughs> yeah. with a little bit more background knowledge of what you're getting into. I think um, it's funny to watch my husband come into his own as a parent along while while we're doing this together. But you know, certainly there are some things where I'm, I mean, this is just me constantly like, oh, I don't know if I would do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually texting right now with uh, my son's mom because she's away and she's like, I need to get him some new shoes because his old shoes are worn out. What do you think of these shoes? So there's that kind of synchronization that we have to do. And, you know, I'm really lucky that I think we get along really well and it's really pretty easy for us to kind of come to these decisions together. But, oh my God, I cannot imagine trying to do that with somebody who you disagree with constantly. I was going to say as, as a child of a single parent where the divorce situation was just a really challenging one. In some ways, my mom had to deal with sort of like the emotional fallout through a number of years of what my dad walking away from our family, but still knowing that he like was out there and he actually still continued to see my younger sister. So he was a part-time parent with her, but not for myself, my brother. And so I think that was really challenging, right? Like, cause she basically was a full-time single parent, but with children that had the emotions of having someone who was a part-time parent. I will say that I think that since I've become a parent. So a lot of people, when they become parents, they say that they get along with their parents much better, that they understand their parents much more, that, that they feel like, oh, I totally like understand now when I was a kid, why things happen. I, I'm actually much harder on my parents now that I've become a parent because my dad actually we hadn't spoken for a couple of decades. And when I had my son, he reached out and apologized and blah, blah, blah. And so so we've been talking for the last couple of years. But I constantly think as a parent, I could not imagine walking away from my family in the way that you walked away from yours. And my mom, she was juggling a lot, right? Three kids and uh, my grandparents were, were over a lot. But I think that there were some choices that she made that also, as as a parent of kids, I just also still can't quite reconcile. And while I'm more empathetic to the fact that she was a single parent of three children, I'm also more critical of the things that I felt should have been a little different. Whereas before I had kids, I felt like I constantly fell back on that excuse of, well, she was a parent. She was a single parent of three kids. And that was so incredibly difficult all the time. Um, I struggle with that a lot. I do get angry. I get angry that my daughter's father just basically walked away, gave us an ultimatum. He didn't like my response to his ultimatum. So he basically said, peace out. Good luck. Never talked to him since, except for when I tracked him down so that I could have him sign off his rights. Because if anything were to happen to me, you know, a plane goes down or something, are they just going to take Maisie and give her to this person that she doesn't know? So no, I have legal documents in place where she goes to Julia. But I still struggle with feeling angry that he just kind of got to walk away from that responsibility. And... There was a time before I fell into tech, I was on welfare. There were times I couldn't afford diapers. And I'm sitting there crying with a toddler thinking, oh, it must be nice to be them, just out, not 
giving a shit or a care in the world. And here I am struggling to feed her and put clothes on her and stuff like that. And then as Maisie grows older in school, when they do projects and they want to talk about mom and dad, you know, are you okay? Was that hard for you? And she's like, no. She's like, I have a mom. And my mom's also my dad. And when they do Father's Day stuff at school, she makes stuff for my dad, her grandpa. She's nine now, almost ten. Is she going to want to reach out someday and find this person that helped make her? And at some point, if you want to, you are more than welcome to do that. But I think it'll hurt me a little bit. And I I don't know quite how I'll deal with it. I just know that it's her right. And if she wants to do that, that's her decision and I'll support it. I'm not going to make her feel bad about it. I'm not going to say, no, if you go find him, don't talk to me. Yeah, I'll just have to cross that bridge when we come to it. But there's a lot of hurt and I think I've let a lot of the anger go, but sometimes it it still kind of crops up there. It's still in my heart. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, like, after I've had my son, I cannot even begin to imagine how anybody could leave a child. It's just, I I think I have a lot less tolerance for that story when I hear it these days. And I think it's interesting how that's, that's so true. I have other thoughts as well about the reconsidering your own childhood after you become a parent. Maybe that we could totally do an episode on that someday. And for the record, I'm totally on the, oh my goodness, how could you abandon a child side of things. But I did also want to just share for those who might be listening that like, I do have the thought cross my mind sometimes, you know, in the moment of, ugh, like I just want to quit sometimes. Oh, yes. just like, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. so I just wanted to say that part in case, in case anyone's feeling alone in that or, or they're feeling intense guilt or, or shame that that like, Totally oh normal gosh. to have that. Oh no, I I, I stuff, have so. those thoughts. Sometimes okay. I'm like, Julia's got the will. I'm just gonna get on a plane to Vegas. Bye. <laughs> I can't handle this anymore. I quit. I don't want to be a mom. <laughs> so no, those yes. those feelings are completely normal. I think what I'm saying is like in the longer term to make that decision of never wanting to be a part of your child's life. I think that's a sad thing. Yeah, I almost kind of in some ways wonder the extent to which you would like if, if, you know, assuming you're not a sociopath or psychopath or something, you have emotions to go to that step and then live in that space. And, you know, your brain is contorting itself to try to justify it. I don't know. I just feel like that must be really emotionally damaging all around everywhere. I'm sure there are certain circumstances where a parent has walked away from their child's life but maybe they haven't wanted to or there were other circumstances that they felt that it was just probably for the best. And there's always extenuating circumstances. I do want to say if you are a parent and you don't see your child or for whatever reason, I'm not saying that anyone's a bad person. I'm not even saying that Maisie's father's a bad person. It didn't work out and there's reasons there's there's things that I probably could have reacted to better. There's things that he definitely could have presented better, but it is what it is. But mm-hmm. maybe, like I said, like someday maybe they can reunite and maybe I won't be angry and 
Maybe, I don't know. Like I said, it's one of those things that I have to cross that, that bridge when it opens up or whatever. But no, I've pretty much let the disappointment, the annoyance of having to do it all on my own to figure it out, how I'm going to buy formula, how I'm going to find diapers, how I'm going to afford preschool or daycare, the fact that I get no child support, or I've let that go for the most part. But it is normal if you are a single parent, you've always been, or you're just now becoming a single parent, to have those feelings of anger and confusion and disappointment. And it's almost like mourning a loss of a, of a death. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that. There must be, you know, kind of grief for it, there is what might have been. Exactly. Um, you know, oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Just like the situ the situation you're in and, and what you might be in the future, just like all the all the things that it's, yeah, it's there's, not too. There's like, lots of emotions involved and yeah. and none of them are wrong. As long as my first priority was always my daughter and keeping her and sheltering her and I never say, you know, negative things like, oh, I'm out there and and cooking and something goes wrong and I'm like screw your father. Like, I never do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> he had nothing to do with what just happened, but I'm just angry. So this is all his fault and because he's not around. And God, I never I do this to my husband when he is there. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I never talk bad about him. And like I said, she's 10 and she doesn't know the full unabridged story of why things are the way they are, but I've never spoken badly about him. I've just said it's what he chose. Well, and I think it goes back to like building your village, right? Because I think that you go back to that in times of where there's like decision fatigue or like a big decision where you want someone to talk it over with. Mm -hmm. And if you have your village and you're like, okay, like I remember the first time that my brother wanted to take the train into New York City by himself. He was like going somewhere. He was going to stay overnight. And my mom just wasn't sure. And I remember she like sat down with my brother, got all the information and then called my grandfather and talked it over with him because she felt like it was like a thing that she just needed to like talk through with someone. Mm-hmm. And so again, you build your village and so that you can say, okay, this is the information that I have. This is what I'm thinking about doing. Am I missing something? I feel like these days again, like with through your neighbors or friends or whatever, right? You sort of figure out who those if you don't have a partner that you can do that with and honestly even sometimes when you do have a partner that partner maybe isn't sometimes you want to talk a second with, opinion with, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> like, they're just like not as engaged as you want them to be on the topic or or whatever right so it's like finding people that you can sort of have those conversations with this is a decision I need to talk with someone else about it even if it's just rubber ducking talking out everything out loud having parenting mentors mm-hmm. i mean i still remain flabbergasted that you can go to the hospital and then they just let you go home <laughs> with this infant like just, i don't know it is the greatest disconnect between the impact of what i might do and how badly it could go wrong and the, the complete lack of qualification and skills <laughs> Is that why they put me on Xanax before I went home? (laughs) You need to calm down before we let you take this child home. I actually really love that idea of it's like pair parenting almost. Yeah. 
Yeah. When you're a single parent, you still want a pair parent, right? <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of that with my dad. I'm starting to have a, like a really great relationship with my stepmom, so I can ask her to, like I said, my my best friend since third grade. We're both like very free spirited, so it's like, are we doing the right thing here? Do we need somebody to rein us back in because we're like, oh yes, let the children go. <laughs> It's cool. You got a second opinion. It's yeah, fine, yeah. Right? So yeah, so that's when I call my dad and I'm like, okay, so me and Julia think that this is okay. He's like, no, 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 no. That's not okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, speaking as a child to more than once had ice cream for dinner. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done that. <laughs> I did have a question I wanted to put out there. I feel like we've touched on this in a few areas, but my question is basically what could others do or stop doing that are things that come up often as pet peeves or like- <laughs> Yeah, where's your partner? Um yeah. I mean, if you see a parent sitting alone at any kind of function, just why don't you go say hey? Yeah, that's definitely a note like- I make from the sports yeah. situation of go over and talk to people and not make it be both awkward and exclusionary. <laughs> well, I mean, like maybe not like the first time, but if you're noticing that a parent is always by themselves over and over and over again, because it could just be like a one-time thing, or maybe the partner has to work or whatever, but still, being a single parent or not, like if you see somebody constantly sitting by themselves, chances are they'd want you to come up and say, hey, what's up? How are you? Um, which one's your kid? Oh, I just saw them do that really cool thing. And then like, if it comes up, then in some and says, well, I'm a single parent. Don't ask for their life story right off the bat. Well, why? Why doesn't Maisie know her father? Well, stranger that I just met five seconds ago, (laughs) you're not my therapist or a close friend or family member, so I'm not going to get into that with you. Yeah, those are two things that happen to me a lot. Or, how do you do this? How do you find time? Well, I just probably like you. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I work twice as hard because I'm on a single parent income and I don't have a partner making a certain percentage to make my life easier. But yeah, tucking money with strangers is also kind of weird when they're just like, oh, well, how do you afford these lessons? (laughs) Well, I work hard. (laughs) How do you afford them? (laughs) I know. But yeah, I've had that happen. I'm like, single parent, you're asking me how I can afford things. Oh, you probably think I'm a mom who just sits on child support, don't you? I see what you're doing here. Which is also really sucky of people to assume that a single parent is just living off of some child support somewhere. Because in my case, I don't get any. I think also, like, it's a good opportunity to to like just remind ourselves that it's really important just always to be kind and to be patient with everybody you meet because you never know what their circumstances are Mm -hmm. and you never know what people are going through so it's a nice reminder definitely do you ever feel like people who are there situations when people clearly are trying to be supportive you know it's like the good intentions but then it's almost like oh like that's even more clueless in a way. I feel like this comes up in other areas. If people are like, oh my God, single parents are like superheroes and I I just did it for two days or whatever. Like, does that feel annoying at times? You know, kind of like people like lifting you to this ridiculous pedestal that you never intended to be singled out for or asked for, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's nice to get that 
oh, wow, you, wow, go you. Like, that must be really hard. And the acknowledgement is nice. But no, I mean, we're just like everyone else. You just find different ways to manage your time and cope. And they might not be what society deems as normal coping mechanism. But like the hours I work and my sleep schedule, I've talked about in previous episodes, they're very not normal by society standards. But it helps me cope. It keeps me alive, which in turn keeps my daughter alive. So that's how I justify it. But a general reminder that asking, assuming you are entitled to an explanation of uh, other people who have different setups and choices than you, yeah. you, demanding to know that information is just beyond the pale rude. <laughs> yeah. I think that oh. goes with anything in general, not just single parenting. Mm-hmm. There's some areas where it does seem like people just forget any manners they've ever learned ever. <laughs> yeah. Assumption. Assumption. Yeah. Like they always say, when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. So That's right. <laughs> stop doing that. Just don't assume. Yeah. So we are going to go into Genius and Fail. This is the time of the podcast where we talk about something that we did or that occurred in the last couple of weeks that either was a genius, a really amazing moment where we shine brightly as parents, or fail where something did not turn out quite as expected and where we feel like our parenting was maybe not quite up to snuff. So Mandy, you're going to kick us off? My little sweet darling of a child, she texted my dad, her grandpa, without me knowing, and said, Grandpa, will you take me Christmas shopping for mommy? So he texts me and he's like, when can I take Maisie Christmas shopping? I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, she didn't ask you? And I was like, no. So she was like totally trying to keep this kind of a secret so that I didn't know that she asked so that she could go get me Christmas presents. She mentioned me not having presents under the tree. And I've bought some things for myself that I'm going to wrap and pretend they're from Santa because she still lovingly believes in him at this point. But I just thought it was really sweet that she took it upon herself to think about that and care. Oh, I love that. That's really sweet. All right. I have one. I'm really excited about mine. So uh, this is a genius. I'm really excited about it. We this year decided to involve my son in our annual giving. So last week, my husband and I sat down, we were deciding where we were going to give to for the end of the year. And my son's preschool class, they talk a lot about Judaism, it's called tzedakah or chesed, uh, basically, you know, giving charity, etc. And so talks about involving him. I was like, okay, we have a plan. First, we're going to ask him if there is something that he wants to give to this year. That seems like a really broad question. So then my, my backup plan was to then go and, oh, you can give to anything, to animals, to families, to, you know, name a couple of sort of broad topics. And then if he was like still confused or not really grasping, I was going to sort of come back to the conversation and give him like three options, right? Like, what do you think about this place, this place, or this place? This is what it does. We said we're we're giving tzedakah for, you know, the end of the year. We're figuring out where we like to give. What is there any place or anything that you want to give to? And he goes, yes, instantly. He goes, I would like to give to a hospital on a beach that helps 
Jewish boys with broken bones that are healing. And I would also <laughs> like to give a toy to boys and girls that don't have toys. So the second one was easy because our neighborhood does a toy drive. The first one. I was going to say, does that exist? <laughs> I did not expect that much detail from a three-year-old. And it took quite a while to find something that checked off all of those boxes. And literally after like a week of looking, uh, we were talking at dinner. I said again, I was like, were you thinking about where you decided to give to? And he was like, yes. And he repeated the whole thing. And I was, all right, okay. (laughs) Turns out I really got to find a place that checks all those boxes. So I did eventually find a place, which is excellent. But I was really excited. I felt like... I, as a parent, am doing something right for him to understand the concept of charitable giving and already had in his mind what sort of thing he wants to give to and that he sees the importance of it and wants to talk about it. And we also gave him like three different dollar amounts and explained there's dollar amounts that usually given in Judaism. So we talked a little bit about that. And yeah, I, I felt like I'm doing a great job as a parent for him to sort of like have that mindset and be all about it at three. That's amazing. So wait, so it's it's a hospital on the beach (laughs) who helps Jewish boys with broken bones. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it is. I'm glad a place like that exists. The Charitable Park, great. I'm really impressed by the leadership and visionary skills here. The next time I'm on a project that's floundering or a team where we need to set our mission, I feel like, you know, call Devin or someone we can turn to. (laughs) We need to bring in a consultant here. He's going to give us a clear vision. I guess I can go next. So like I mentioned, my son's uh, off to vacation for the for Christmas and he left his favorite stuffed animal at home. He likes Frank as the stuffed animal, but he's not like, oh my God, I'm going to die without Frank. So it's like, he's okay. But I saw Frank at home and I'm, I wonder, and so I started taking pictures of Frank doing stuff and I've been sending them to him. Aww. And so like I had Frank who was like taking the dog for a walk or Frank like turning the Christmas tree on or like Frank checking the mail or like all these things. And he is loving it. That's he's so like, great. oh, what's Frank doing today? <laughs> that's great have you heard of flat stanley yes yes yeah anyway it's really fun and he's having a really great time so that's my genius <laughs> that's great mine is a little more lower scale i was just thinking about you know i mean in general i've talked in the past i think about all the stuff i've been doing to try to prevent food allergies and then also just like trying to head off food pickiness and i know kind of like what a toddler chooses to eat should not be taken as judgment on parenting (laughs) skills or whatever right so i'm trying to keep in mind of okay like kind of just like keep offering things even if they are rejected and so we've had a variety of roasted vegetables this week including brussels sprouts and cauliflower and I've just like stayed persistent and I've been also been not trying to make a huge deal out of it. Okay, they're just like in your dinner bowl. But there are other things that I know are going to be definite hits like cherry tomatoes. And so far these last couple of nights, like usually at the beginning, there will be some offended looks and dropping the Brussels sprout quarters on the placemat inside. But then we get to near the end of the meal and I look and I'm like, oh, I think there's actually less than 50% of what I put in here is now on the floor. So that's, that's like pretty good. Good. <laughs> nice. 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 So it's more like I think a thing is less the outcome necessarily than the keeping up on a thing that is important to me as a parent, but is like a lot of small actions that will hopefully end up in the long haul to be something positive. But uh 
sometimes it's hard to keep it up as I pick more food off of the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Congratulations. Thanks so much for listening to the Parent Driven Development Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have questions that you'd like us to chat about on air, please email us at panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com or find us on Twitter at parentdrivendev. And if you like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash parentdrivendev or rate us on iTunes. Thanks.